Bart, I've asked you not to whistle that annoying tune. Everybody and welcome back once again to Simpsons is Greater Than, a Simpsons podcast where nothing could possibly go wrong. As always, I'm your host, Warren, better known to some of you as Bart of Darkness. You might know me from my Simpsons collection over on Instagram or Twitter. Be honest, it's great, isn't it? Go ahead and say it's great if you want to. But if not, when you're done with this episode, do me do me a favor. You know, I ask every week for you to do me a favor. Slide over to either one of those things, check it out, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. But it's not just me here today. I'm joined by my friend, Brandon Withrow. You might remember him as the person who went viral with the 3D printed Simpsons TV. What's up, Brandon? Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, and, and I mean, come on, I joke and I say like, oh, you might remember him. Everybody remembers Brandon at this point. Brandon... Uh, viral sensation, Brandon Withrow. That's what he. That's what he is in my phone. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, the my accomplishment. There's another Brandon Withrow um, who's a writer, and he used to always be the first page of Google search results when you search for the name. <laughs> I have now trumped him. I am. I'm yes. the top of the results. I'm sorry, other Brandon Withrow. Um, well, I mean, I, I you know, I don't. I'm not familiar with his work, but I'm going to say rightfully so. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. Tell me, though, you know, before we get into this episode, and I'm sure by the name of this episode, people will know what this is already. But uh, how have you been in the time since that Reddit sensation? Like, how has has anything changed for you or just how have things been since that all happened? Man, things have been good. Things have been really good. You know, I had a bit of a roller coaster with the the Simpsons TV, as you can imagine. I um as for those of you that don't know, after it went viral, I uh, started a raffle and raffled off uh, 10 of them for charity, which was a, a whole can of worms. I had to, you know, it was for two weeks straight making these things because they took about 10 hours each to make. So I was I became a, a production line building them and raffled them off. We were able to raise $21,000 for charity Ooh, for four different man. charities, which was really, really cool. So cool. um, it felt felt really good to turn it into something really nice. And there was a lot of really generous donations. And uh, I still get emails from people asking if the raffle is still on, which it's <laughs> not. Um, and they're asking me if I'll do one again. Uh, the the other funny thing that happened is that worldwide the little screens that go in the TV are sold out. They don't exist anymore. So that's that's that. That's a wrap on this mini Whoa. Simpsons TV. Brandon, <laughs> are, are you solely to blame for that? I you know I think so. Um, I posted a build guide <laughs> and then it actually got picked up by a magazine, Make Magazine, which is a really great magazine if you're interested in building stuff. Um, and since then, the the TVs have just disappeared. There are quite a few people that have found ways to make it with different screens. I haven't had the time to go into all that. But. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. And I got to say, I picked up a copy of that magazine. It is very cool. A nice little spread on Brandon and that. And, and I got to also say, you know, I once in a while will post something, uh, a video in my story or something with this little TV. And every single time, 
without fail, people are just like, oh my God, what is that little TV? And I'm to the point where it's hard for me not to be like, where have you been? Have you not, you know, like, come on, this thing was everywhere, but uh, no, it's really cool. It's got to be sort of neat to be a part of something like that, Brandon, I got to say. Yeah, it's really cool. You know, aside from the charity, another thing that's been really nice is after I made the build guide, I've gotten a lot of emails from people that have been building these, like, you know, people building them with their kids and connecting over the TV and stuff like that, which is like what the what the Simpsons are all about, connecting people and all right. of that. So it's been really cool seeing, you know, I got an email this morning from a guy in Australia that made one out of wood, which wow. is pretty cool. <laughs> wow. I'd like to see that. If you're listening to this episode, guy in Australia, send me a photo of that. That sounds really... Seriously. Yeah. yeah he told that me that he made awesome. it out of wood, but he didn't send a picture. So, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Send a picture. I got to see and, this thing. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, so it's, it's interesting and this sort of in some way ties into what we're doing here today. And I was thinking of ways, and I've been talking for a long time, about ways to expand the podcast and do different things with the podcast. And after I had Brandon on, I sort of got this idea. I was like, you know, Brandon is a was a really nice guest. We really hit it off. And I think he is someone that, in addition to making this TV, needs, you know, a way to talk more about The Simpsons. So we've actually been sort of chatting about this for a while of like, hey, how would you feel about coming on every now and again? Maybe we'll talk about an episode. We'll find some way to get you a little more involved. And it took longer than I expected, but I'm glad to have Brandon here today. So if you all enjoy Brandon and his takes and his voice, uh, in, in addition to his little TV, you know, let us know. Let us know that you're enjoying uh, episodes like this or would like to see more of them. Um, and, and just tell Brandon you love him. Do that for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And it's nice to have an outlet to talk about The Simpsons because uh, it keeps me from driving my friends and family crazy. That's all <laughs> I ever want to talk about. So That's the only real reason. I Well, one of a few, but one of the main reasons I started this podcast so I could leave my wife alone and have another way yeah. to talk. <laughs> so for anyone that, you know, clicked on this blindly and didn't actually see the episode title, uh, we're going to do an episode about Itchy and Scratchy Land today. I posted an episode poll a while back, um, and I actually took those choices from episode three. I'm sort of reusing uh, previous guests on the show, like episodes that they picked as favorites, and letting you guys vote on those so that I can do an episode focused around those. Uh, and Itchy and Scratchy Land won, but it was close. Who Shot Mr. Burns was really chomping at its heels. And if enough of you bother me, maybe I'll do one about Who Shot Mr. Burns too. So, you know, just saying, you know, reviews and DMs really push me to do more stuff like this. Um, how do you feel about this episode overall, Brandon? Before we really talk about it, like, where does this one rank for you? And how did, you know, do you love it? I mean, come on. Oh my God. I absolutely love this episode. Not, it's classic. When you told me, um, that we were doing this episode, I immediately could remembered like 30 gags that like just had me laughing just on the memory of them. It's it's so classic. It's outrageous. It's also like an animators episode with, a, you know, we'll, we'll get into it all, but it's, it's just a classic episode. So good. So many things I love about it. So many things that I actually didn't know until doing research for this uh, that that also make it interesting in a different way. So we'll we'll get into to all of that stuff. So obviously this is season six, episode four. It was written by John Swartzwelder, which we all love. John Swartzwelder, come on! I get more DMs about John Swartzwelder than anyone. Uh, and directed by Wes Archer, one of my favorite animators and directors to ever work on the show. Uh, talk about a couple of heavy hitters. I mean, I don't think you could have a better team yeah. working on this episode. Um. 
One thing I did do is I wrote down some things that other Simpsons writers said about John Swartzwelder because I thought that would, you know, I don't think there's anyone listening that doesn't like him, like I said. But just in case, Matt Selman wrote an article for Time magazine about Swartzwelder, extolling him as one of the greatest comedy minds of all time. He is the comedy writer whose words make the best comedy writers in the world laugh out loud. I mean, I don't think you can argue that. Uh, George Meyer, who is someone I'm learning, is credited with some of the best jokes. Uh, Anytime I talk to writers, especially from those early years, they're like, oh, that's a George Meyer joke. You know, George Meyer said, even among comedy weirdos, he stands out and he is irreplaceable. And lastly, Dan Graney, who was actually the most recent episode. If you're not, if you haven't listened to that yet, slide back one episode, described Schwarzwelder as the best writer in the world today in any medium. Do, do a lot of Swartzwelder episodes rank high for you, Brandon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this episode in particular, um, I also uh, did a little diving on Schwartzwelder as well and found, um, don't want to kind of let the cat out of the bag too soon, but a lot of this episode is about censorship. And he was saying that one of the ways that they were able to get away with so much of the violence of Itchy and Scratchy was because it was a show within a show. Somehow showing that Bart and Lisa were watching the show made it almost a parody of violence as opposed Mm. to violence itself. So it was kind of like a little legal loophole that they used to just get as much violence on screen as possible to show how absurd it is that anybody would think that violence on TV would affect children. Um, and apparently this episode was the beginning of kind of the end of that uh, that little loophole <laughs> for them. <laughs> That's super funny. I mean, you, you can tell, you know, and I, I also have a note about something similar to that, but you can tell that they were going pretty hard. I mean, yeah. <laughs> even the beginning of the episode, I mean, you know, Scratchy gets his brain stabbed out with scissors. So, you know, I mean, they definitely were, were really pushing the limits on that. Um, Before I read the synopsis, I will say, you know, not just to praise John Swartzwelder, but as far as Wes Archer goes, uh, I could go on and on about Wes also, but I'm going to direct everybody. uh, If you want to hear more about Wes, go back to episode 10, really early into the podcast. I had Wes on and uh, to say that he is pivotal to the Simpsons even being what it is now is an understatement. I mean, one of the first people hired to animate on the show Uh, And just so, you know, contributed so much to the way the show looks and the timing and everything, him and David Silverman together, uh, so important. So another, another, you know, reason to love Wes, this episode and so many others, go check out that episode. Um, I normally start things like this, not that I've done a lot of them, but I like to read the actual synopsis or, you know, the closest, most accurate synopsis I can find online. If you read it on Disney plus, it's probably going to be really funny and bad, uh, because those tend to be really short, but I thought this one did the best job of describing the, the overall feeling of the episode. Bart and Lisa want to visit itchy and scratchy land an amusement park, but Marge has already planned a family vacation to a bird sanctuary. Eventually, Bart and Lisa persuade their parents to visit the theme park by revealing that it has areas for adults, including bars, bowling alleys, and a rehab center, or a chemical dependency center, as they say. Uh, Marge dislikes Itchy and Scratchy Land's violent themes and attractions, but the family trip goes well until Homer and Bart start assaulting the park's mascot performers. Um, What is your personal relationship with theme parks? Are you a big fan of theme parks, or were you as a kid? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I loved theme parks, and this this episode really hits uh, hits a lot of those notes just perfectly. Um, I think it's so relatable to any family experience going on a a little trip. Uh, we used to always go to uh, Paramount's Kings Island, which is a theme park in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, which was bought by Paramount. They kind of like rebranded a lot of existing rides into <laughs> movie. Really, there was like a Top Gun ride and stuff like that. Um, and it was always kind of a bit of a pilgrimage for us to get there as well. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this, this, no way this episode doesn't strike a chord with a lot of people. I actually loved going to theme parks as a kid. Spoiler, not as into it as an adult. I tend to get sort of over it a, a couple of hours in and kind of just yeah, want to go same, home. But, same. you know, that's, I think, I think this episode is a good example of why it is mostly for kids. I mean, we see Homer and Marge sort of get over that, uh, pretty quickly. So, you know, Brandon mentioned that, you know, there was a lot of violence in this and it sort of caused, you know, some some issues. There was, you know, some stronger censorship laws coming in and that sort of caused them to make this episode. Um, what I was able to find, in addition to what Brandon said about Schwarzwelder, is that when they were making this episode, the network threatened to cut parts out of it. Um, and what I was able to find is that David Merkin sort of threatened to tell the media that they were going to do that to the show, which sort of led to some level of compromise. So it seems like, you know, they were giving them a hard time and this was their response to that, uh, but also just led to more problems, which then somehow, you know, led to a compromise. Did you find anything else about that, Brandon? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely found that. And um, I also, I found a clip from Dave Merkin and he was talking about, um, how, you know, during the sort of debate back and forth with the, the, the censorship and all of that, he asked uh, Fox, he said, send me a list of the complaints that you've gotten about violence on The Simpsons. Send me that list. And they weren't able to produce a list. Uh, they kind of <laughs> shut up after that. Uh, between wow. that and him saying, yeah, he didn't directly say, I'm going to tell the media, but he's like, you know, the media might find out. Uh, he kind of around the about threatened. <laughs> and they, they kind of uh, dropped it after that, it sounds like. But I did find out that in um, sort of this opening gag, uh, they did make some cuts to some of the gags. They were somehow more violent than what we end up seeing on on the final cut. <laughs> that is crazy. I mean, you know, I talk a lot on this podcast about David Merkin and his era coming in as showrunner and it being such a, you know, honestly, the show seemed doomed to fail in a lot of ways when he came in. They lost a lot of the writing staff and Merkin really worked magic. I think those seasons that, you know, five and six are very special to me. They're some of my favorites in the whole show. Uh, so, you know, very David Merkin uh, positive uh, podcast <laughs> is what I would say. Um, so the episode starts with an itchy and scratchy called The Last Traction Hero, obviously a nod to The Last Action Hero, where Scratchy gets super ripped only to be poked repeatedly with a needle because Itchy thought it would pop him like a balloon. And then have parts of his physique shaved off with a chainsaw. Uh, so like Brandon said, this was very violent. This is very violent already. And it sounds like they had to edit that down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's seeing, uh, itchy go to poke scratchy with a single needle and he doesn't pop. He thinks he's going to pop like a balloon. And then he looks at the needle and he go kind of gets the light bulb over his head. And then he just stabs him like a thousand times with a single <laughs> needle. And then itchy's or scratchy starts bleeding and he kind of like gets tired and has to sit down. Got to take <laughs> a seat. You know. I also want to um, jump back for just a moment. The blackboard 
on the intro. Oh, yeah. It's Bart Simpson writing, I am not the reincarnation of Sammy Davis Jr. over and over, which (laughs) (laughs) I Googled that to see if that was some sort of reference. It's not. It's just absurd and funny. (laughs) Just absurd and funny. Yeah, that that is that strikes me as a joke that it's like an anti joke. It's like a joke that sounds like a reference, but actually means nothing. Which the Simpsons that they're famous for. Yeah, yeah. One, of my, one of my favorite things. That's a great point. So, like I said earlier, you know, even at the beginning, you know, obviously we take a little time to get on the road trip, but I love how unique this episode is in that it does not feel like an, like any other episode of the show because so much of it is spent in new areas. The the whole family's wearing different outfits. Like this was very unique for the time in the show because any animated show, you know, everybody wears the same thing every single week. But in this one, you know, Lisa's wearing a little hoodie. Bart's got his little jacket on. This really feels like almost like a different show within the show, which is something I really, really like about it. So many great colors. Uh, I think that's why this one ranks so high for people is it so easily stands out. There's not really anything else comparable, even other episodes where they travel. Nothing really feels quite like this one. Yeah, I, I also noticed, um, like you, that they were they're wearing different clothes. How often do the Simpsons have a costume change? Um, I actually wrote down somewhere what they were all wearing, but it's um, it's just so the the colors are so different. It's you know, Lisa's wearing a little purple hoodie. Homer and Bart are both wearing blazer jackets, and Marge is wearing like this this like really really beautiful uh, like a sweater with a collar popping out of it. And it's pink. Yeah. So she was really she really pops in every scene. It's so yeah. it's just from a design standpoint, it's beautiful. Yeah, Mar- Marge is definitely styling. She's looking she's yeah, looking she's good. She's styling. She's very yeah. stylish. They're, they're all looking good. They got their they got their you know their style together for this trip. They are looking real nice. I actually uh, I wanted to ask you, um, are there any toys from this episode? Are there so, are them wearing those outfits? Unfortunately not. Um there are some toys from this episode that I'm going to touch on as we get a little further, I, but sure. unfortunately, <laughs> nothing of them in this outfit. I always wished in the Playmates line that there had been like a set more directly related to this episode. I guess I'm not sure how they would have done that, but man, it would have been great. I would love to see them in those little outfits. And on that same point, I did read that you know Wes and his team said it was super challenging to animate because because of that because it's all this new stuff so new model sheets new locations uh but because of the violence they said that it was a dream come true I bet. to animate so <laughs> yeah. they really got to play around with that all right so after itchy and scratchy we get one of my favorite scenes and that is where they ask Homer if they can go to the park while he complains about how damn expensive the bible he's reading is Dad, remember how you said that going to Itchy and Scratchy Land would be too damn expensive? Oh, everything's too damn expensive these days. Look at this Bible I just got. Fifteen bucks. And talk about a preachy book. Everybody's a sinner. Except for this guy. But now Itchy and Scratchy Land is cutting ticket prices in half. Can we go, Dad? Can we, can we, can we? Take it, least. Can we? No, 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 no. Ask your mother. Mom, guess what? We're going to Itchy and Scratchy Land. No, I've already planned our vacation. We're going to the Highway 9 Bird Sanctuary. I understand they've installed a new bird feeder this year. It's shaped like a diner, and it's on this really tall pole. Uh, Brandon, did you did you have a parent who was more likely to say yes in these sort of situations? Like if you were like, hey, you know, I really want to go to my friend's house. 
was one of them more likely to say yes than the other? Uh, yes, but it really like depended on what the topic was. If it was about a road trip, my dad would totally be yes, you know. But if it was about like doing something random on a Saturday, my mom would be right there. So you really had a, <laughs> you know, I think I think um, a lot of childhood is learning diplomacy between your parents and learning what you can get away with, which is why this this gag is so great because they ask Homer a bunch of times and he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, ask your mother <laughs> and then they take they they know that the battle's won they just run into the kitchen and say we're going you know <laughs> and, and there's something you know I, I i always point that out about this scene because not only is homer like you know just get away from me i'm trying to read this bible but how upset he looks while reading the bible and just like you know talk about a preaching book everything <laughs> that about that too. scene is great it's like why did he buy it and why is he so upset reading it uh, that's just, you know, those are the sort of jokes that when I think about that being written down, someone being like, oh, let's have Homer read a, a Bible and be angry about how preachy it is. That that kind of that sort of joke just is always going to destroy me. So, good. yeah, like what, what was the chain of events that led him to casually reading a Bible on it? What seems like a Saturday morning. He's <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to imagine that, that they told him the price of the Bible and he's like, you know, he's like, look, he's like, oh my God, you know, uh, this is so super funny. I also made a note here that I adore, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I adore the way Marge says vacation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Throughout great. the whole episode, she says vacation. Uh, it is no secret how much I love Julie Kavner and I might be jumping ahead here, but I think she steals the show this entire episode. I think her lines in every scene are the funniest and just the best. Um, and so again, I don't understand why she says vacation. I don't know what, you know, (laughs) I don't know what sort of regional dialect that is, but it is just adorable to me for lack of a better word. So after the kids convince their parents to go, Marge explains that she wants it to be special and she doesn't want to be embarrassed, which is immediately followed by Homer filling his suitcase with nothing but embarrassing stuff. This year, I want us to do things together as a family and get a lot of good exercise outdoors so we'll have a lot of wonderful memories of our vacation. Don't worry, Mom. We'll make you proud of us. Lobster hat, fishnet speedo junior, wheelie shoes, invisible dog leash. (laughs) I want to jump back for just a moment. Um, When the kids run into the kitchen... And tell Marge, you know, we're, we're going to Itchy and Scratchy Land. And she says, I've already planned a vacation to the bird sanctuary. <laughs> it cuts to uh, Bart and Lisa. And they're looking at her with just, I guess the face is dismay. And the, the image is just so hilarious. They're looking so straight funny. on, which is very rare. And their mouth is just hanging agape. And it I, like, I looked at the emoji. There's an emoji that looks almost exactly like it, it has to be modeled <laughs> off of this moment. It just cracks me up to even think about it. <laughs> so funny. I love that. So Brandon, another thing that I want to ask you, uh, speaking of this scene, you know, Homer putting the stuff in the suitcase. Uh, are you aware that an invisible dog leash was a real thing? Do you have any memory of those as a kid? I do, but the funny thing is, is my memory of it is first at The Simpsons with this episode, <laughs> and then later I saw one in real life, and I was like, that's the thing from The Simpsons, yeah. um, <laughs> which is, yeah. I love Homer packing the suitcase, because it's all of these, like, as a kid, I was a prankster, I loved novelty prank things, and it's just like, 
a smorgasbord. I always wondered what the like lobster hat was about. Did it <laughs> yeah. did it move? I can imagine it like cl- like a clapper hat. Or that's something. what I was thinking also. And I actually I should have looked up uh, about the lobster hat if that's a little more direct. But I did find some info uh, for anyone that doesn't know about an invisible dog leash because I remember these and I remember them being a thing as a kid who grew up in the you know late eighties early nineties. But I was curious like about you know why how these became popular. So I did a little research. And I took this from a New York Times article published on September 13th, 2010. So this article, you know, is almost 12 years old. And it says, in the 1970s, a World War II veteran named George Zorbas took a trip to Europe and returned with a novelty concept that became a runaway hit, the invisible dog leash. (laughs) The idea that it could become a runaway hit is very funny. I just Um, imagine sidewalks filled with people walking invisible dogs and everyone's just laughing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) As a visual prank, it fit perfectly in the era of the pet rock. He brought the loopy idea back to his factory in Brooklyn's Borum Hill neighborhood, where he already produced belts and jewelry, eventually employing as many as 150 people to churn out thousands of the stiff leashes and empty collars 24 hours a day. Um, but you know, if you, you keep reading this article and it says like, you know, by 2005, the company was closed. Uh, I imagine this sort of thing sort of died out as technology got better and people had less time for like, Oh, isn't it funny? My dog's invisible. But I do, I do think that's really interesting that there was a time from the seventies, you know, arguably into the nineties where that was still a thing. That sort of stuff was still being made. I find that very funny. It's a, it's a lost time. Lost time. <laughs> So, you know, we're talking about, we're to the point where the family, they're, they're getting in the car, they're going on the trip. They've decided, they've all come together and decided that they're going to take this trip. Um, does Flickies remind you of anything? Because I think, you know, traveling, we're all used to seeing these like, oh, stop here and get some, you know, pecan logs or, you know, some orange uh, pastry or whatever it may be. Uh, what it reminds me of directly, especially current day, is Bucky's. I don't know if you or anyone listening is is a fan of Bucky's, but that's immediately what my mind goes to. Yeah, I've definitely seen the Bucky's billboard. Uh, it definitely reminds me of. There's a couple of these that it reminds me of. I think the most famous that most people be familiar with is the Wall Drug, mm. which is a place in uh, South Dakota, and you see billboards for this place for hundreds of miles, and they they all say how far to the wall drug, and they, they count the miles <laughs> down until you get to the place. And then, of course, as soon as you get past it, there's a sign that says you just missed the wall drug after seeing... <laughs> I mean, for for hours, you've been looking at these billboards. There was also one in North Carolina called JR's um, that I used to live in Savannah and drive from Kentucky to Savannah, and you'd see it all the time. The uh, Again, counting the miles down. And I always wondered, like, did they actually do the math on each of those miles? You know, <laughs> I've always wondered that. I mean, I, you, you know, it, it's one of those things where now it's sort of a lost, like these days it's like, Oh, you really only need one sign. If you're going to go, you really only need one, like, you know, a, a good ways ahead and maybe a little closer, but it is such a funny concept that goes back to a time where, you know, we didn't have smartphones. And so it's like, Oh yeah, that place we saw two hours ago, we're still coming up on it. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that's sort of like a relic that I sort of enjoy that places still do. You do still sort of see that with Bucky's. Um, and I, I know at least somebody listening is a fan of the beaver nuggets, which is something I have to get. They opened two Bucky's in my area and within the last year. So I'm sliding oh, in for those man. beaver nuggets from time to time. What's a beaver nugget? A beaver nugget is essentially like a, almost like a corn pop 
it's, think of it as like a sweet cheese puff almost, but with more of like a cereal corn pop sort of texture. Um, they don't sound as good as they are. I could literally eat a whole bag and now I'm starving. pretty good to me. Sounds like like a hush puppy or something. <laughs> it's just incredible. Just Brandon, just go out of your way to go to a Bucky's immediately and get some beaver nuggets. That goes for everyone listening also. So after we watched the family drive for a while and stand in five different states for seemingly <laughs> quite a while. I love that. <laughs> so good. It, it's the the like the weird geography of the world of the Simpsons, you know, Springfield, where is it has always been a big thing. And then for them to be standing in five states, not four or five, it's uh <laughs> <laughs> really funny. Yep. Really funny. Uh, after that, we get one of the best misdirect jokes in history, in my opinion, which I don't think would play that well in audio, but the family is all falling asleep. They they decide that they should stop. Immediate cut to a car crashing into a electrical pole. Hard cut to the family seeing it happen and going, wow, glad that wasn't us. Um, I love this moment. A perfect a, joke. <laughs> I have a funny story with this moment. Um, and I think the statue of limitation saves me on this. But back in the day, um, for you younger people, you might not remember Kazaa, which was a way to oh, illegally yeah. <laughs> download music off of the internet. You could also download videos. Yep. And you, there was no streaming videos. There's no YouTube. There's no way. It was really hard to like, if you wanted to watch an old episode of The Simpsons, you had to either have it on t- taped on VHS or you had to scour the internet for clips. So I used to get on Kazaa and just download. And it w- they couldn't put the whole, it was dial-up internet. So you couldn't download the whole episode, just clips of it. And uh, I had a folder on my computer that was just filled with ran- whatever, every single random clip I could find. And this was <laughs> one of them. Um, and it, I would just, I would just sit down with the, I needed my Simpsons fix and I'd open that folder and I would just watch a bunch of random jokes from the episodes. And this one got me every single time. Another one that was really, really, uh, <laughs> was all over the place was the one where Smithers, it's from the Malibu Stacy episode. Smithers turns on his computer and it's a digital Mr. Burns that says, Hi, Smithers, <laughs> you're quite good at turning me on. <laughs> and then Smithers says, uh, You should probably ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that joke kills me. <laughs> I, you know, that is something that I, it's almost been so long for me that I kind of forget how difficult it used to be. I mean, I think about going to friends' houses and even trying to open photos on the internet used to be a whole ordeal. Just like to, for slowly scanning Slowly down. loading. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I grew up in the Napster, Kazaa, SoulSeek age. And, uh, you know, I think myself included, we all take for granted how easy it is to watch everything now. I mean, there was a long period of time where, you know, that's the reason The Simpsons came out with DVDs. If you didn't have them taped already and you didn't, you know, watch it on TV, you didn't have another way to watch it unless you found a way to illegally download clips and watch it. So that is something that is, you know, I guess I'm glad I lived through that. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, I'm also not at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it maybe broke me because there's certain jokes of The Simpsons that are just burned into my brain because it was the only, only thing I could watch. Um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Which sort of leads me nicely into my next point, which is, you know, we're talking about how a lot of this episode and, and even the point you just made about streaming and downloading stuff, things that caused them issues in this episode could not cause issues today. I mean, Homer is looking at a map. He's like, oh, screw this. I'm, you know, we're going to take a shortcut. And I'm old enough to remember going to Disney World in the 90s and doing these sort of trips with my family 
where you did, you used a map. You just had your whole trip mapped out and you had it all planned out a certain way because you didn't have a phone that could tell you where to go. Uh, so it's kind of, it's kind of funny to contrast all of that to now where it's like, oh, you can't get lost. Your phone, as long as it's not dead, can always tell you where to go. Yeah, I definitely have several memories of being lost in a car with my parents because uh, we were driving somewhere. One in particular, we were <laughs> driving to a demolition derby that my uncle was in because he was a hot rod guy and we missed it. We just I, I remember we watched the sunset and it was dark and we were still we couldn't find our way back home at this point, <laughs> just driving around the country. <laughs> it's crazy. And I mean, to this day, I mean, my mom doesn't really like using directions on her phone. So if she comes down to Florida to visit, she normally uses MapQuest. And I'm just like, I can't imagine taking a multi-hour oh, trip without a smartphone now. I mean, oh my I just God. Does she, she print the directions out? She prints oh, them out. That's classic. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to my mom, honestly. Kinda, I kind of yeah, back her, honestly. <laughs> so after taking a shortcut, quote unquote, the family finally arrives to the park, followed by a great joke about how hard it is to remember where you parked and then followed by a very direct Jurassic Park reference. All right, we're here. Let us never speak of the shortcut again. Now remember, we're in the itchy lot. We're now approaching our final destination, Itchy and Scratchy Land, the amusement park of the future where nothing can possibly go wrong. Uh, possibly go wrong. <laughs> That's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. Yeah, absolutely. From this point on, everything is Jurassic Park, Disneyland, and Westworld. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. so, so good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And also, I've never seen the original Westworld, but I will say, even if you watch the more recent series, you will sort of, you can tell Tracks. that they were, they were, yeah, getting some inspiration from that. So right at the entrance of Itchy and Scratchy Land, we, we start with the funny names. I mean, we're getting, you know, right up top, you get four that are shut down or not operating. Uh, and I wrote all of these down. I tried to write out names of different rides and areas that are throughout the episode. So I these are going to jump around too. a little bit. <laughs> so rides not operating today. We have the Head Basher, the Blood Bath. Mangler, not the Mangler, just Mangler, and the nurse's station, which I really want to believe that's an actual ride and not just the actual nurse's station. Um, I, I think it's funnier if it's the actual nurse's station. It's like, <laughs> this isn't operational, so if you hurt yourself in this very violent park, you're on your yeah. own. <laughs> yeah, you're screwed. You're, you're definitely screwed. Um, and then just some other ones throughout the episode, and, and you know, we can, we can bring these back up later, but I wanted to keep them together. We have Tavern on the Scream, Torture Land, Explosion Land, Searing Gas Pain Land, my personal favorite. You see him eating chili. <laughs> Unnecessary Surgery Land, <laughs> TGI McScratchies, and Laramie Cigarettes Presents Itchy's Minefield. <laughs> I wrote that one down in particular because it had a have I have kind of a personal connection to that. Um, in Kentucky, we used to have the tobacco festival every year, oh, which man. was an actual fair. It's like a state fair, and they would hand candy cigarettes out to kids. And the Laramie wow. Cigarette Company always reminded me of that. I don't think that they allow it anymore, but when I was a kid, they they would. <laughs> that is so wild. I mean, yeah, like, you know, it's it's funny because cigarettes are 
pretty vilified now. Most people, even people that smoke know they're bad, but this, this calls back to a time where this actually happened. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, like it's not that big. The warnings weren't as serious. Yeah. Seven out of 10 doctors agree. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. So after Homer gets ripped off for itchy and scratchy money, we (laughs) see the first ride and we get one of my favorite jokes and something that I say often, there's no need to murmur, ma'am. a violent motif. Yeah, but it's just pretend violence, which is actually beneficial for children. Uh, Ow! uh, Ow! (laughs) There's no need to murmur, ma'am. Here at Itchy and Scratchy Land, we're just as concerned about violence as you are. That's why we're always careful to show the consequences of deadly mayhem so that we may educate as well as horrify. When do you show the consequences? On TV, that mouse pulled out that cat's lungs and played them like a bagpipe. But in the next scene, the cat was breathing comfortably. Just like in real life. (laughs) That one caught me. I didn't remember that one, but it's really good. (laughs) I love the idea of this guy going around and just like doing damage control. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Let me explain to you why this isn't bad. You know, don't worry about it. And then look over there and runs away. I mean, just throughout the episode. Yeah. Uh, really, really great. I have a note about this guy um, from the from the producer, Dave Merkin. He said that this character was created, this sort of PR guy that shows up to do damage control was created as the voice of the writers. They basically were using a lot of conversations that they actually had with the censors to sort of fuel the conversations that he would have with Marge. And he comes up several times in, throughout the episode, and he's kind of um, inspired directly by conversations that they had with the censor. <laughs> so good. I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I just love something about spelling out like, oh, there's no need to murmur. Ma'am, it's just <laughs> such a great read. Every little thing, every joke they make with this guy is just perfect. And this also brings me back, you know, because it's usually it's Marge that he's talking to. This brings me back to what I said earlier when I said Julie Kavner is the funniest in this episode. I mean, she's great. When, when she's happy, when she's upset, you know, you think about the, the whole scene in the diner when she's ordering the food. I like everything that she says and does. Like when Bart points out to her, like, oh, mom, it's, you know, they have gross names for everything. She's like, oh, all right. You know, she's like trying I'll to have get the with baby it. guts. Yeah. Like just everything <laughs> that she does and says in this episode is so perfect. And, you know, I'm not saying there's episodes where she's subpar, but I think this one really stands out for her because she goes through so many emotions. Yeah. In so, a lot of ways, it is a Marge episode because she yeah. so wants to have a perfect family vacation. And then, of course, her dysfunctional family just can't help but ruin it. <laughs> Cannot help but ruin it. And uh, But also, you know, we also see throughout the episode, she's almost too on guard to where at times she sort of hinders the problem. And then when it actually yeah. becomes a real problem, she has to sort of go back and be like, oh, damn it, you know. So just, just so good. Uh, and I also like that they sort of, because they knew it would be hard to make Maggie a part of this episode, Marge just drops her off at the ball pit, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just, she's, she's in the ball pit. Babies love balls. And you don't really have to think about Maggie uh, for the whole episode. Um, I loved ball pits as a kid, Brandon. I don't know if you did. They're actually really gross when you think about it. But as a kid, yeah. I was all about a ball pit. I absolutely love them too. And as an adult, just the thought of like, how do you, 
do you put them all in a washing machine? How do you clean these things? Um, is yeah, so <laughs> they're gross. not very practical. <laughs> you, you know, kids are just like peeing their pants in there and doing God oh, knows what. Totally, just just so gross. And luckily, we're not really seeing a lot of those anymore. But <laughs> man, the shout out to the Burger King ball pit uh, in my local area as a kid. I spent a lot of time in that thing. Um, all right, so Mars drops Maggie off in the ball pit, and then we get to one of the most important scenes, which is the robot parade. Uh, which, which is apparently so much like Bart's dreams that it's scary. <laughs> I loved that line. <laughs> so good. And this is where I will bring up some toys. So Brandon asked oh, me earlier yeah. if there were any toys from this episode. Uh, you've all heard me talk a lot on this podcast about super seven and all of the great stuff that they're making. They just made the McBain series, which is really great. I did a video about that over on uh, the Bart of darkness, Instagram and everything that they've announced, all the pre-orders, everything they've done is just great. And one of the things that they did in the first wave of Ultimates is they made the itchy and scratchy robots from this episode. And they each come with multiple heads. You oh, know, one cool. of the itchy, you can take the top of his head off. You know, all of that is so good. And I, even if you don't want to buy all of them, I hope you bought those because those are going to look so good on your desk or, you know, it's shelf, whatever you want to do. Uh, I cannot wait to get those in. That's so cool. You, um, the, the pulling the top of the head off is so like, that's such a nice touch because it's a reference to one of my favorite jokes in the episode, which is that one of the robots walks over. They're trying to show that the robots are safe to, you know, the family because <laughs> Marge is apprehensive of them. And uh, the critic guy says, no, no, they're perfectly safe. And one of the robots pulls his top off and shows all the, complex circuitry inside and marge says see homer all that stuff is why your robot never worked <laughs> which i just i would love to see what homer's robot was <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you bring that up brandon because you know i i love that there's a joke here that implies that there's a whole story where yeah. homer tries to create a robot but doesn't understand that they need certain things to work. It's like a um, lost episode in itself. <laughs> I would that's watch something, that episode if they want to go back and make it. <laughs> absolutely. And that's something I will say, you know, uh, the most recent episode with Dan Graney, uh, he talks about some other jokes like that, you know, where it's like this one joke implies this whole other story. And those are some of the funniest jokes. I mean, these ideas, you know, you think about how many episodes of The Simpsons that there are. Uh, and you're, it's kind of shocking that they don't retouch on some of these. Like, I would love to see an episode where Homer gets made fun of for his hat and closes his detective agency. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, these are, these are right. things I would love to see. I love yeah. those sort of jokes. Yeah. Or all the, I mean, there's, there's countless, I think there's a lot of super cuts of like March being, or Homer being like, it's my lifelong dream. And then March being like, your lifelong dream was, and there's, it happens <laughs> dozens of times and every time it's different. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's get some callbacks to that. Let's let's do that. Um, so I love that joke. Uh, clearly, Homer doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Uh, so then the Simpsons ride a ride together. They get on what seems like a nice ride, um, but ultimately it is a it is a very terrifying and dangerous ride. That you know they decide to split up after they ride this. The kids couldn't care less. They're just going to go do their thing. And Homer and Marge finally go. You know what? We're going to go to Parents Island. Uh, and following this is when we get, you know, one of my most, well, you know what? Not even my most, one of the funniest jokes mm -hmm. in The Simpsons that I think stretches well beyond all fandoms of the show, whether you like a certain window, whether you like the whole thing, no matter what your relationship to the show is, this is a joke that you know, and that is the Bort license plate. 
at all this great stuff, Elise. Cool, personalized plates. Barclay, Barry, Bert, Bort. Oh, come on, Bort? Mommy, Bobby, buy me a license plate. No, come along, Bort. Are you talking to me? No, my son is also named Bort. Yes, absolutely. I I can't tell you how many times I've been in a place and uh, they had all those little license plates and I've made the joke, there's no Bort. Are they going to have Bort? <laughs> I also personally really relate to this joke because uh, my name is Brandon and there is another spelling and it is Brandon Ian. I'm Brandon mm. Owen. And I don't know why, but Brandon Ian is wildly more popular to put on a license plate than Owen. And I would always look for him. And there would always, it, it feels like every time I meet a Brandon, it's also a Brandon or a Brendan, you know. Right. Um, so I, I feel I feel Bart's pain in the scene where he's looking for a Bart license plate and all they have is Bort. <laughs> well, the, the best part is that of all the things that could have been, Bort makes the least sense, which yes. I get is the joke. It's so funny. You know, in, in my personal experience, you know, my name is Warren, which let's just say, you know, not the most common name, certainly not like, you know, in the 90s even. It might be more common now. But when I was growing up, you just didn't know a lot of people named Warren. Most people that knew me, I was the only Warren that they knew. So when I would go to these shops and look for my name on a license plate, I mean, forget about it. This yeah, is not going to happen. So <laughs> I, I, I really relate to Bart because I didn't even have anything close. Yeah. Um, I wonder how they choose which names to put in these shops because they only do like, like two dozen for male and female. It's they got a book somewhere. Most popular yeah. names, probably. It is strange. <laughs> Up, update that list. I mean, my wife's name is Emily, so she has no problem oh, finding yeah. hers. Um, so, you know, I got to say, you know, also in this scene, uh, Bart sort of explains this this special, this itchy and scratchy special to Lisa. And again, speaking of things I would love to see an episode of, let me get a whole episode which really explores the itchy and scratchy and friends hour. I want to know more about disgruntled goat and Ku Klux Klan and all of these guys. Who are all these characters? Well, you're probably too young to remember the short-lived itchy and scratchy and friends hour. They had to come up with some friends. There's disgruntled goat, uncle aunt, Ku Klux Klan. Oh yeah. <laughs> they weren't very funny. I don't know. Disgruntled goat had his moments. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Ku Klux Klan went very, <laughs> <laughs> there, gotta be that, some dark jokes about that guy yeah and that's kind of the first of a series of jokes that are kind of happen from here that are very like slightly referencing walt disney and his uh how he's the kind of impurities of his character which is you know kind of the antithesis of what we think of as walt disney there's several right. of those absolutely right. <laughs> and, and there's you know there's something about to the scene where I love that Bart is like, okay, Lisa, let me just, you know, I'm an expert. Let me walk you through this. I like the way Bart does that. I, that was relatable to me. I'm the, I'm the youngest, you know, of, of a, I actually have six brothers and sisters. I'm the youngest wow. of them all. So the thing that was very, I felt Lisa's pain in that situation because there's so many times that like my older siblings were talking about something that I just, happened before I existed. And they're like, oh, you may not remember this because, you know, <laughs> dad used to just have a mustache. I'm like, what? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, let me explain this to you, Brandon. Yeah. yeah that's really so we see some more of Parents Island, some more rides, and then we get to uh, what Brandon is talking about, the Roger Myers story, clearly a parody of Walt Disney. Uh, we see Scratchtasia, which is a parody of Fantasia, obviously. Oh my gosh. And possibly one of the possibly one of the strangest ways we ever see Itchy kill Scratchy also. Very bizarre. I have this written down as my best gag of the show. 
It is yeah. when I saw it as a kid, it broke my brain. The the way in which he kills, it's just so surreal and so out of the box. <laughs> yeah, he chops him into dust and then breathes in the dust, which creates a bunch of little itchies, and they just hack him up inside until he grows old quickly and yes, dies. Like the end I of mean, Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, give give them an award for that joke. That's really perfect. Yeah. Um, and, and then we also see a parody of, uh, Pinocchio or Pinocchio, uh, which is another really gruesome. Da- I mean, his nose just stabs him through the brain and takes his eyeball with it. Um, I, I promise I'll never hurt you. And then his nose grows and stabs <laughs> him through the eye. <laughs> so good. I, I do love this whole scene. You know, you're saying that scratch Tasia is your gag of the episode. I think this whole scene is great because, you know, we see Bart and Lisa very like, just enjoying this documentary and talking about like, Oh, you know, are we desensitized? You know, whatever. And yeah. And then we see this robot bust through, uh, (laughs) and, and just die in front of them to which they just decide to go get ice cream. So, I mean, it's, it's a very, you know, there are multiple levels you can take this joke on. It's like, Oh, you know, are kids too desensitized to violence? Is, is that, you know, just a testament to where they're able to separate the two. There's a whole conversation that could happen from that also. I mean, you could argue that they, uh, it's not desensitized to violence, but they're, they're more apt to handle violence and, you know, the, the robot jumps through the wall and they don't freak out. They handle their business and they're like, all right, well, everything seems fine here. Let's move on. Nobody's in danger. (laughs) The robot died. (laughs) It's cool. Let's just get on with our day. No need to, no need to get all, uh, been out of shape over it. Yeah, let's go on with our day. And I got to say too, you know, we're talking about, you know, we we talked about Wes Archer a little bit, how great he is, how well this episode is directed. I really love the shot of them sitting there watching this doc and it 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 cuts to behind them and you just see, you know, little itchy as Pinocchio or Pinocchio real big on the screen behind them as they talk before the robot bursts through. It's great. I mean, just so many good shots and interesting things like that in this episode. It's like you can watch any episode of The Simpsons and be like, man, I wish I had that cell. Man, I wish I had that cell. But I would say Itchy and Scratchy Land specifically probably has at least five cells that are near the top of my list. I mean, you can Absolutely. find Scratchtasia cells that are just incredible. You can find so many cool things with the robots chasing the family. Every, you know, so many amazing one off scenes in this episode. Just what a great one. I'm actually really it's glad amazing. that this won the poll. It wasn't my pick. I actually low-key wanted Bart's Comet to win. Um, But, you know, not that I can't talk about that later. But I'm actually glad that this won because it is one of my favorite episodes. And and just sort of digging into it a little bit makes me appreciate it even more. I don't know if that's your experience. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's there's actually two two things I want to kind of roll back to before we get too far from them. On Parents Parents Island – um, they go to the itchy and scratchy discos, the first place they go, where <laughs> it's set up like, you know, it's a theme restaurant where it's always a disco. And they walk in and Marge is impressed by the place. And she goes, oh, look, the bartender even looks like um, John Travolta. And then it cuts to the bartender and he goes, yeah, looks like, which the implication <laughs> is that it is. This is a really funny an interesting joke um, that kind of ultimately fell flat because for those of you that don't know 90s film history, before Pulp Fiction came out in the 90s, John Travolta was kind of on the at- end of his career. They, yeah. His career was kind of over. He you know, was really big for Saturday Night Fever and Grease and all that stuff. 
decades right. before, and now he was kind of at the end of his career. And then Quentin Tarantino, who is an unknown guy, makes Pulp Fiction, and it relaunched John Travolta's career. And it's really funny that this joke is in this episode. I actually looked it up. This episode came out October 2nd, 1994. At that point, John Travolta was a nobody. Pulp Fiction came out 12 days later. So there was only a 12-day window where this joke actually made sense and was like in canon to the universe. (laughs) That is such a great point. And it's something that I didn't even think about because, you know, the joke is, is funny, like without context, but I like, I like the point you're making because to most people, they're like, Oh, why would John Travolta be Be the bartender? Yeah. Why would he be (laughs) unsuccessful enough to need a job in a theme park? And I guess it's just something because I've lived through, so many eras of John Travolta. I yeah. haven't even really thought about that in a while, but that's such a great point. He, you know, he was sort of not a, I won't, I don't know if I'd call him a joke, but he was, he was on the downward spiral of his yeah. career at that point. So that joke made a lot more sense at the time. That's a great point. Brandon. It, only for 12 days. Did it make sense? <laughs> <laughs> the other one is uh, they, they leave itchy and scratchy disco and Marge and Homer go to TGI McScratchy's which is like TGI Fridays, but it's also every day is New Year's. Um, so like they're dropping the ball. There's like an announcer and like just every minute it's like 10, 9, 8. And Marge says, how great to, for every day to be New Year's. And one of the waiters says, please kill me, <laughs> which is a hilarious joke. And then it gets called back to later on in the episode. I'll I'll bring it back up when it comes back. But so it's good. really good. You know, really good. One, one thing I did, uh, I didn't actually make a note of, but I've thought this for years, and I'm sure the answer is out there, but I, I just did not think to look it up for this. Uh, every time I see him say, please kill me, I feel like that is ADR. I feel like that's not what he originally says. Oh, because yeah. Because he looks like he says something else, I and wonder that if was, it was their uh, sort of way to cover up. I wonder if uh, the censor uh, made them change the line after the animation was done or something. I would love like to that. know what you're, I, that's got to be out there. I've got to be able to find that. I just keep forgetting. So if anybody knows, please let us know. Yeah. Shoot me a <laughs> message, shoot me an email, whatever. Um, but I also will say that scene is great. I love it. And I post that every year on new year's, just a little <laughs> silent animation of them dancing with the balloons, the pan down from the new year's really great scene. Even out of context, you're just like, Oh yeah. New year's, you know, you forget yeah. it's from that episode. Really good. After they watch the documentary, we see Bart pull the prank that starts to ruin the trip once and for all. (gasps) (laughs) So, Mr. Itchy, you think you're God's gift to women, do ya? Don't do it, Bart! (laughs) (laughs) I just want to entertain! Can you believe I keep getting away with this, uh, officer? Bart uh, torturing all of these uh, itchy and scratchy guys in suits kills me. I love <laughs> it. Um, there was a sort of an, an eagle eye spot there. He reaches down and pulls a stink bomb out for um, to to launch at one at one point. And the oh man, I have it written down. 
I've lost it. I fell apart in the in the moment, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm leaving this in because you guys just know we put in the work here. <laughs> it is. Uh, he has a he has a he has a hip purse on that says "Little Bastard's Traveling Kit," and he pulls a stink <laughs> bomb out of it. I just love that Bart packed a little bastard traveling kit, and it clearly says on there what it is. And Marge didn't notice, and she was trying so hard to have this like perfect family vacation. Yeah, I love I love that running gag of the little bastard. We see that in yeah. a couple of other episodes as well. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing was from um, the producer again. I, I listened to the commentary on this episode, and he said that Bart torturing the guys in suits um, came from his own childhood. He had an older cousin when they would go to amusement parks that would make it his goal to torture these guys in suits. <laughs> and one thing that was really important to him was to have the muffled scream. Because he said that's what he remembers the most from his cousin torturing these guys. The perfect. <laughs> I love that so much. That is interesting, and that is I will say to anyone listening to this, like, don't neglect the commentary. You get so yeah. much good info. I mean, you know, a lot of what Brandon and I are finding out and learning as we research episodes like this is that's where you get it. A lot of it, you know, you can find it online, but you will get so many good stories. I've even had. You know, I'll, I'll call back to episode 23 when I had Tim Long on. There was a story that I asked him to tell in that episode that he probably had not told since the commentary, which had been wow. recorded, you know, like 15 years ago or something. That's so rad. you can get a lot of cool stories in that commentary. I, I will make a plug for that. Um, and, you know, just for good measure, even though this isn't really the net, this is like not necessary. I'm just going to drop in another clip so we can hear March save vacation again. I want all five T-shirts to say best vacation ever. Attention, Marge Simpson. Your son has been arrested. <gasps> I'd be terribly embarrassed if I were that boy's mother. <sighs> Attention, Marge Simpson. We've also arrested your older, balder, fatter son. <sighs> uh, Brandon, tell me, have you ever gotten in big trouble on a vacation? Like, do you have an instance where your family was like, that's it, we're going back to the hotel? Oh, yeah. Um, went to Myrtle Beach once when I was a kid. And well, I was I was more of a teenager at this point. Uh, and there was a small amusement park there at Myrtle Beach. It's kind of, you know, one of those beachside amusement parks. And uh, I went with my one of my friends at the time. And mom lets us, you know, go go to the amusement park on without the parents, which I don't know if you guys are, like, I think it's pretty universal. The first times you get to kind of get to go places without the parents is just like the best, you know, oh, you, yeah. you feel like you're an adult, you feel like you're your whole, uh, you're the master of your own domain. So we got to go free reign on this amusement park when there was a time we were supposed to be back. And we walked into that park and just immediately forgot that time even existed. <laughs> and we weren't like minutes late. We were hours late getting back to meet my mom. She was supposed to meet us at a certain place. And she was furious and it was one of those we didn't realize the thing and then somehow we saw a clock somewhere and i was like oh shit you know um <laughs> so like we ran through and i was i was smart enough to know that if you're gonna be like in trouble come with a gift so we stopped at a gift shop and i bought a little uh it was a frog a porcelain frog and a bikini that was wow. like vacation and i was like i'm sorry i'm late mom here's this and mom was furious and she named it tardy and to this day she still has that little tiny frog sitting in the house every time i see it i think i can't ever be late again <laughs> i was just about to ask you please tell me she still has the frog yeah i can try uh, to get I, a picture of it for you yeah you should i love that i love that i will say uh so i have a story that a lot of my friends know 
Um, and I, and I will, I will admit in my adult life that I cannot ensure that I remember this exactly as it happened. We were very young, but my memory of it goes like this. When we were at Disney world, when I was a kid, uh, one of the times that we went, my brother and I were playing in a ball pit, oddly enough, but it was like a really nice ball pit and there were other things around it. It was like a little fun area, but far less cool than the actual park. We were supposed to go to Universal Studios to see, I want to say like Beetlejuice or something. We, we, we had like plans to go to something else. It was our last day there. And my mom came and got us multiple times and said, hey, you guys, come on. We need to get going. And my brother and I were having such a good time. Same sort of thing. We just sort of forgot time existed. And I think after the second or third time, my mom said, you know what? That's it. We're not going to Universal. Let's just wrap this trip up early. <laughs> Turning the car around and going and home. And she got us and we got in the van with my grandparents and we went home early Whoa. because we refused <laughs> to get out of this ball pit. So, oh, you know, sometimes, you know, you just got to learn that lesson. And I was, I was not willing to listen the first three times and it got me, it cost me a trip to Universal. Oh man, you know I've, that's a kind of an old an old classic thing where if you don't, we're going to turn this car around and go home. But I've never heard <laughs> of anybody actually like following through. Good on your mom for following yeah. through with it. You know, I mean, luckily we had been there for a few days, so it's not like it was like you know the day we got there. But I think we were supposed to stay another night, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we she were was just, just tired like, nah. of amusement parks. She's yeah, it's like, like nah. You home. know what? You guys don't want to listen to me. You don't want to go to the next thing. Let's just go home. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't make that mistake ever again. Safe yeah, to say. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so then Marge gets Bart and Homer out of the detention center, quote unquote, just in time for them to be attacked by the itchy and scratchy robots. They attempt to escape before being denied the helicopter by one of the itchy mascots. Homer then tells the robots to get back and throws everything he has at them. A chopper, we're saved! Hey, you're the guys who didn't like our capering. When you get to hell, tell them Itchy sent you. Ugh. Oh my, it looks like we're doomed. Back, you robot! Nobody ruins my family vacation but me! And maybe the boy! Dad, the Flash must have scrambled their circuit. Who are you, the narrator? Ugh, just keep taking pictures. I'll get more cameras. <laughs> so at the beginning of this is a moment I wanted to come back to. Um, you know, Marge is in the gift shop getting T-shirts made best vacation ever and then she hears <laughs> on the intercom marge simpson we've arrested your son and immediately all the other women in the shop are like i would be so embarrassed and then it comes back on marge simpson we've also arrested your older balder fatter son <laughs> and then she's taken into this underground tunnel that's this huge underground complex by these two kind of german ss soldiers yeah. And uh, the underground tunnels are reference to an actual series of underground tunnels that exists under Disneyland. Um, for those that don't know, yeah. but there's a there's a great double callback joke here. I love a callback joke. It's like my one of my favorite forms of humor. 
she's they're going going through the facility and it, they go past a security room and there's a bunch of guys watching TVs monitor kind of running running the whole operation <laughs> and one of them says we've got another jumper at TGI McScratchy's I have to think that it was the waiter that said please kill me has to be <laughs> has to be but has to be one callback wasn't good enough they got two callbacks Another guy says, We need more Bort license plates in the gift shop. I repeat, we are sold out of Bort license plates. There were so many Borts that they sold out. <laughs> they had to, they, they got special order. They're on back order. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and not me. only, you know, not only that, but like, you know, if it's not, if it's not funny enough in the initial scene that there's a kid named Bort, the fact that there's another guy that says, Oh, are you talking to me? Oh no, my son is also, also named Bort. So She's the fact that there, him too. <laughs> there there's gotta be like a hundred Borts visiting Itchy and Scratchy Land on this. It stuff. must be like Bort Day. I don't know. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. You you gotta think someone out there uh is just sad enough to name their child Bort. I really hope so. If you ever actually meet someone named Bort, please let me know. Um, I mean, this is, you know, and this is a testament to the episode and I love this information that Brandon is bringing. And I love that him, him sort of dialing it back at times because this episode is so funny and there are so many jokes in it that when I was trying to make notes, I was like, man, I, I could just sit here and read every scene. There's a joke every five seconds. Yeah. And you're not going to, you're going to have that a lot in this era, but you're not always going to be like, well, got to note that, got to note that, got to note that. This episode is just floor to ceiling, which is, I mean, a testament to Schwarzwelder and this era and regime at the time that was working on this. I mean, we're talking so quotable. Some of the funniest people to ever work on the show were in the room when this was written. So, uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable. So like I said, Homer throws everything he's got at this robot. And I made a list of all the things he throws. So I did he too. throws great. <laughs> he throws his wallet, his change out of both pockets, a banana. I don't know why Homer had a banana. <laughs> yeah, I thought uh, that too. <laughs> his underwear, which I, I don't even want to I don't even want to begin to think how he was able to and do that. And he really struggles. He like tears the underwear out the front, yeah. which is just a painful thought. <laughs> And just remember, so Homer's not wearing underwear for the rest of the episode. So just think <laughs> about think that. About that. <laughs> Finally, he throws his camera, which short circuits the robot and shows them what they have to do to escape. Uh, so which, really, really cool way to introduce that. Yeah. And I love Lisa being like, the, the camera short circuited the robots. And then Homer saying, who are you, the narrator? <laughs> <laughs> so good. I mean, and there's like, you know. A lot of stuff in this scene, you know, Bart saying, oh, I'll get more cameras, smashy, smashy, Marge saying, oh, I don't approve of that. You know, another great read. Uh, there's a certain level of just self-awareness throughout this episode, but especially in this scene where it's like, okay, we, we are getting to the end. We have to wrap this up. Everyone figures it out and they just take care of it, which I don't know that it would be funnier if there were more time at the end, but it does finish up really quickly. It wraps up in like a minute and a half. Yeah. Just over. So after destroying the robots with the help of Bart getting more cameras, the family realizes that it was actually the best vacation ever. Smashy, smashy. I don't approve of that. And my cheese. With a dry cool wit like that, I could be an action hero. Die, bad robots! 
<laughs> With a dry, cool wit like that, I Who would have thought that our visit to Aging Scratchy Land would turn out to be our best vacation ever? Yeah, best ever. Are you two bonkers? We almost got killed. Not to mention all the embarrassment I suffered. But, Mom, it's exactly what you wanted in a vacation. It brought us together as a family. We got a lot of good exercise outdoors. And we have so many memories. You know, you're right. This truly was the best vacation ever. Now let us never speak of it again. So, yeah, I mean, this one is really perfect in a lot of ways, which I think we've said throughout the episode. I mean, there is, you know... If you had to pick an episode to show someone who had never seen The Simpsons, I don't know if this is it, actually. But I think it would be on a short list of episodes that you show them after they start getting into the show uh, to just sort of show them how, you know, the kind of places the show can go. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. If I were to have to make like a top 20 episodes or even maybe a top 10, um, this episode would definitely be on it. Absolutely. Oh. There's... There's a one one final moment I want to bring up a little eagle eye spot from the end of the episode. Um, they 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 kill all the robots and then he says, "Man, I wonder what if this is happening here. I wonder what's happening in Euro Itchy and Scratchy Land." It cuts to Euro Itchy and Scratchy Land, which is in France, I suppose, and it is a, a guy at a ticket booth. The place is completely empty, and he's just talking to the void. But at the ticket booth above it was a sign of out of service. Um, rides. I'm so it's, glad you did this because I forgot all to. Fr- it's all in French. So I got on Google Translate and did Google Translate. I don't know French. So if somebody out there knows a better translation, please let us know. But this is what Google Translate says. It says, out of service, the atomizer, the bloodletting, <laughs> the massacre, and nurses station. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so at this point, I've got to believe that Nurses Station is a ride. Yeah, right. Because, because how would an empty... I don't know. Either way, that's super, super Maybe funny. they just never built one, and they said it's it's out of order. Just don't yeah. ask. They don't want anybody looking for it because it's not working. That's a good point also. <laughs> I, I mean, again, this episode is just stacked. It um, really is. You know, it, I had to restrain, and I'm sure Brandon agrees, we had to restrain ourselves not to just... I, if I was, you know, going to just play clips that are funny, I would just let the whole episode play. You could, you could uh, probably just listen to the episode. <laughs> so good. I mean, at this point, I've seen it enough times that I agree. Uh, so, you know, the episode ends. They they figure out all the stuff with the robot. They get the free passes. Uh, two, not four, but they get two. Uh, and it ends with the kids watching more Itchy and Scratchy and basically admitting to learning nothing. Uh, Marge tries to give them this lesson and, and they're like, no mom, you know, it would be funny if it happened to us. And Lisa proves that by hitting Bart with a shoe, which is such a great way to end the episode. I hope you realize now that violence on TV may be funny, but it's not so funny when that violence is happening to you. But it would be funny to someone who is watching us. Mm. No, Mom, he's right. Observe. How? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Lisa, go to your room. <laughs> it's it, the way she like throws the shoe directly at the back of his head and the sound effect and everything was so like, just so funny. It killed me. <laughs> so good. And there was um there was a little bit of trivia that came out of this on the commentary. Um they asked uh Yardley Smith if she had to record 
all of the little voice sound effects, like the grunts and stuff that they make, or if they had just sort of a library of them. And she said that they do record them uniquely. Then Dan Castellaneta came in and said that every single doe that Homer has ever said was recorded for that situation. They don't have like a sound effect library where they just pop them in. I just love that each doe is, it's like a snowflake that each one of them is unique. <laughs> and see, that's really, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up too, because I actually, when I had Yardley on for the Christmas special back uh, two Decembers ago, episode 18, I believe uh, I commented on, in one of those episodes, like how many funny little like, uh, uh, little funny noises that she makes. And she told me then she was like, yeah, you know, uh, I've done hours and hours and hours of just little funny mouth noises. Uh, and she even joked, which I don't know how true this is. She was like, yeah, I've literally said like, Oh, can't you just use other ones? And they're like, no, we need new ones, you know? So I love that commitment to like, no, everyone, you know, we don't want to just have to dig through a library. Let's just do it. Yeah, Let's make absolutely. them all unique. Same for Homer. Um, I do believe the only thing they reuse for Homer is a burp. I feel like not uh, every burp is unique. I think they dialed in like the patented burp early on, and I think they still use that, but I could be wrong. Someone correct me. But I feel other like that would be that, hard to do. It's hard to fake a burp, you know? It is. Especially, so especially that, Barney's burp is so iconic. So I do believe they keep the burps on standby, but everything else is is truly unique that's really special um you know brendan i want to say you know thank you for coming on to talk about this and thank you for wanting to you know participate in something like this perhaps ongoing as long as everybody enjoys it uh what are your closing thoughts for this episode if you had to just sort of sum it up what what would you say at the end i think that this episode is i mean hilarious the writing is on point i mean it's it's everybody operating at peak you know, which is hard to say for something like The Simpsons, where, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's almost they're always at peak. How do you get better than the best? Um, but it's just so iconic. And also, I think one thing that's really, really great about it is that it is an animator's episode. You know, I remember as a kid loving any time Itchy and Scratchy showed up in an episode. It's usually just a little interstitial and then just not part of the bigger story because they can do more slapsticky things. It's, it's, it's animation inside of an animated show. So they can kind of go that much further into the surreal. And to have a whole episode of that is just like, it's like cake that's all icing. It's so, so good. Um, I love an Itchy and Scratchy episode. It's great. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this is, you know, we talk about how it's different scenes and they're dressed differently and things like that. Different settings, I should say. Uh, something you don't see a ton. I mean, you know, you think of like Camp Krusty, you think of mm. this episode, you think of a couple of other examples. But I think these sort of episodes really do stand out, you know, for reasons that you just mentioned. Like, this is peak for a lot of things. This is like some of the best directors and animators to ever work on the show. Some of the funniest writers to ever work on the show in the room. So there's so many things going for it. But also... The fact that it is so unique and different and all these things you don't normally see, uh, that cocktail just makes for one of the best. And we didn't even mention in the episode that if you go to The Simpsons Ride, even today, this episode is there are clips from this playing while you wait in line. Really? That's awesome. That's so, so perfect. That, so they they know the reference and, and how it, you know, it just feels good. So if you go wait in line to ride The Simpsons Ride, uh, in Florida or California, they're go- you're going to see clips from this episode while you wait in line. I'll just stay in line. I, <laughs> <laughs> they, I will say they do a great job of making the line for the Simpsons ride 
entertaining on its own. There's like, you know, screens, there's like little things that you sort of do along the way. Uh, so that also I would recommend to someone that hasn't written it. Great, great theme park. <laughs> great theme park. Uh, so Brandon, you know, we talked a little bit up top about the Simpsons TV and like just how you, you know, caused a national shortage on the screens. Good job, Brandon. No one can build Thanks. a TV anymore. <laughs> uh, but uh, do you have any other projects or just shout outs or plugs that you would like to make before we get out of here? Um, I mean, I, I'll plug uh, this podcast. <laughs> I don't really, not really. Um, you know, I, uh, the Simpsons TV was really great, but really, really took it out of me by the end of it. Um, so I've, I've kind of stepped back on all of that. I, I do have a couple of Simpsons related 3D printing projects that are on my back burner that I'm working mm. on right now, but they require a little bit of research and development uh, to pull off. One of them I'm really excited about. Um, so if I pull it off, yeah, you guys will see it. If you never see it, just to, just imagine I failed. It'll be like Homer's <laughs> robot that uh, doesn't have the stuff in it. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, you guys are crazy if you don't think I'm going to make Brandon tell me all about that the moment I end this <laughs> yeah, recording. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on, man. I had a blast. Uh, we're I'm just going to go ahead. You know, I'm not even going to wait for feedback. I'm just going to say that we're going to do this at least somewhat more often. Uh, to sort of switch it up from interviews, and I'm just going to bully you into doing it as oh, much man, as I can. I'd love to. This has been <laughs> great. And also, uh, what what a great excuse to watch an episode. <laughs> yeah, what a great excuse to watch an episode multiple times and just really pick it apart the best you can. Uh, but that's great, man. I definitely look forward to that. As for all of you, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at simpsonsisgreat at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, consider leaving me a review on Apple. And when I say consider, I mean, please go do it. Go leave me a review on Apple. Apple. It helps me get more eyes on this podcast. Uh, some of you will DM me and tell me you love the show and that means a ton, but also go leave that on Apple, leave it on Spotify, let everybody else know. You can follow the official Instagram account at Simpsons is greater than, or on Twitter at Simpsons is great. If you're curious about me or my Simpsons collection, just search for Bart of Darkness on Instagram or Twitter and I'll see everybody later. <laughs>